produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World, where we tell stories about transformative kindness. I'm Yasmin Amr. And I'm Andrea Aswahi. According to the United Nations, one person is displaced every two seconds worldwide. These people are forced to flee their homes because of violence, war, or targeted persecution. For more than 70 million internally and externally displaced people, finding safety is already difficult. But rebuilding a new life can be even harder. This week, we want to share one young man's experience and what life was like when he found himself alone and desperate in a new country. This story by producer Erica Lance originally aired in 2017. Stay tuned afterwards for an update. If you had to decide whether to do something you thought was right, but it meant losing everything you loved, what would you do? It's one thing to answer that hypothetically, but for this guy, the question was very real. I was born and raised in the Middle East, uh, in a war-torn country. We're not going to share his name or his country of origin, because his safety and the safety of his family could be at stake. People could not imagine to have a happy life when you live in a war zone. But when you're back in home, you eat, you laugh, you joke, you dance, you have music. Just a normal life and happy life. But that happy life came to an abrupt end in his 20s when he encountered a potentially life-altering dilemma. People he knew told him about a center that was radicalizing young students, essentially recruiting them to become terrorists, which was against everything he believed in. He'd lost friends in terrorist attacks, and now he felt the urgent need to expose the radicalization that was happening. But he knew that doing so would put a target on his back. I knew that I may even lose my life. It has been for me the most difficult decision of my life. And I thought about it for hours and for days, actually. Finally, he realized he couldn't live with himself if he didn't act. I made a decision. I did something. So he investigated the recruiting efforts, wrote about what he found, and worked to get the center closed. And for a while, things seemed all right. Then he found a death order targeting him on the terrorist group's website. And a few days later, when he was outside... I looked my back, and I saw them with the gun running. He started weaving through the streets. So I was running. They were running. People were looking what's going on. My shoulder and body was waiting for a bullet. I was just feeling which part of my body will be hit. But he wasn't hit. Somehow he'd escaped into the crowd. He was pretty certain he wouldn't be so lucky next time. So he started working to get a U.S. visa, which he did. But the land of opportunity wasn't so shiny up close. When he arrived, he had no work permit, no place to live, and a couple hundred bucks in his pocket that he stretched by eating one meal a day. I lost my family. I had to leave everything behind. My language, my culture, my food, my childhood, everything that I was feeling that was part of me. You did everything right, but what has happened to you is all wrong. He found a basement to sleep in, but unemployed and alone, he wondered if he'd made a big mistake. One day, I went sit close to a river, and it was the most depressed day in my life. I was just thinking, well, should I continue life in that point or not? Eventually, he sought help at a refugee center, 
and a social worker there asked a volunteer named Susie if she and her husband Rob would be willing to take a young man in. Could they give him a room for three months? I said yes, and I didn't mention it to my husband. And at a good time when he couldn't react, I told him that we were about to have somebody move in for a while. We'd been married a long time, and I knew not to react until I knew more, so, well, let's just wait and see. They didn't actually know anything about the person they were about to host. Then suddenly, I was told that it's a young Muslim guy, and we're Jewish, so I didn't really expect it to take off easily. But a couple weeks later, Susie picked up their house guest and took him straight to the grocery store. As soon as they walked in, she said, Whatever you like, choose. And that was the first feeling after months of desperate that somebody is taking me to a grocery store and says, OK, whatever you like, choose. I, I had that feeling of being appreciated and being loved. And it was a turning point in my life. The next day, Susie showed him the library and taught him how to ride the train. Then she bought him clothes, took him to the dentist, and paid for English classes. But more than that, his relationship with Susie and Rob was deepening. For like several months, I did not have anybody to talk to and to genuinely trust that the person I am telling will just listen and will just have sympathy for me. And then having a very kind and generous family around you that tells you that you're like their own child, I was just feeling that I have been given a life back. By then, the plan of a three-month stay was out the window. They were committed, and he started calling his hosts mom and dad. The initial nervous chatter turned into long conversations at the kitchen table. Susie talked him through his emotional trauma, and they found they cared about a lot of the same things, like geopolitics, art, and religion. He was frank about the anti-Semitism of his home country. The basic insult for somebody is to call them Jewish there. Oh, you're a Jew, you will eat a Muslim. And this is wrong. It's shameful. They started comparing traditions and beliefs. We would be talking about a word or about a concept. And I found many similarities, actually, between Judaism and Islam. I was fascinated by a Jewish community that I always thought that, well, they hate us. And I was fascinated to see the amount of kindness and love. They've become a hybrid family. I sometimes say I'm a Muslim Jewish American. He looks forward to Shabbat dinner every Friday night. We are eight tonight? and sets the table with almost childlike excitement, putting out yarmulkes and candles. Then everyone gathers around the table. It's lovely. It's great. Okay. It has been three years. In three years, the three years has gone for me like three weeks. It's a surprise when anybody drops out of the sky into your life and to have that somebody be somebody that you so value is unexpected. If everybody would open their house to somebody who needed a family, I think that we could solve a lot of uh, problems in society and I think it enriches people in ways that are very hard to imagine until you do it. This is what I call home now. And these are my parents. They have helped me in most difficult time of my life. When they get older, I want to take care of them. 
These days, he's taking college classes and has a job. The best gift that they gave to me was, was hope. He went from death threats to losing his home, to losing his parents and his siblings, to finding his way to the U.S. and finally finding a family. Now he knows he has a future here, a future that's safe, secure, and full of possibilities. That story was produced by Erica Lance. We'll talk to that young man about how he's doing now, two years later, right after the break. Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Ammer. And I'm Andrea Aswahe. It's been two years since that story aired, and Yasmin, you had the chance to follow up with that young man in the story. Yes, he still doesn't want to use his name or mention his country of origin. He says it's still too dangerous for his family back in his home country. But he still lives with Rob and Susie, and I, of course, was eager to know how that was going. When I moved here first, I was lonely, hopeless, and in a very difficult emotional stage in my life. And since I joined this wonderful American family, I'm more happy, excited, active. I study a lot. I go to gym. I go to walk. And I have a girlfriend now. And life seems wonderful. Yes, I mean, it sounds like he's living a spectacularly average life. Yes, and that in itself is profound. When you think about the fact that he's lived through so much war and violence, He's going to college now. He's in his third year studying international relations, and he's already making plans for graduate school. I mean, he's clearly got a lot going on, which is really great to hear. So as he continues to build his new life, is his relationship with Rob and Susie staying strong? He calls them his American parents. They're still very close, and they still have dinner every single night. They all love reading and talking about politics and religion. And he says he's learned a lot just by watching this couple who are now in their 70s. I like so much their interaction with each other. It is so friendly. Uh, it's basically what uh, I imagine growing up as a child in the Middle East of that the husband and wife uh, would be with sense of humor, with laughter. So what I see how they interact with each other is an example for me. It really seems like part of the reason why this has worked so well, despite coming from different backgrounds and religions, is because at their core, they share the same values. You're right. That young man really emphasized how much he, Rob, and Susie all share this deep sense of curiosity about the world. They share empathy and a passion for helping others. So, Yasmin, I have to ask, how is his family doing back home? Well, he's still in touch with them, but he didn't want to go into too much detail. He still hasn't been able to visit or see his family members, and he did mention that his mother's having health problems. That part is still very difficult for him. So when he looks back at everything that's happened after he chose to speak out against those who were a danger to his community, all the threats he's faced, losing everything and leaving his family, I mean, does he regret any of the choices he's made? You know, I asked him that same exact question. Was it worth it? Absolutely. I never regret it, and I will never regret what I did. It was my duty to do that, and I was ready to give my life for that. So I have, I am a kind of person that have strong principles. I never compromise my principles. 
It's a lot to sacrifice, but he's found the support he needed to help him get through it. And he's still holding out hope that things will one day improve in his country and that he'll get to visit and see his family again. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sabrina Delmonico is our intern. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. And I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. Has a stranger ever helped you during a difficult time in your life? Tell us a story by emailing us at kindworld at wbur.org or by sending us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We're at WBUR Kind World. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter called The Care Package. We'll send you some of our favorite good news stories from the week straight to your inbox every Saturday morning. You can sign up on our webpage, wbur.org slash kindworld. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.